From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, coming up on this Monday edition, breaking news this afternoon, a Philadelphia jury found pro-life leader Mark Houck not guilty on the charges brought by the Biden administration. Peter Breen of Thomas More Society, who represented Houck, said this, quote, this is a win for Mark and the entire pro-life movement. The Biden Department of Justice's intimidation against pro-life people and the people of faith has been put in its place, end quote. We're going to have them on the program tomorrow. And Republicans in the House, especially the MAGA ones, seem disturbingly at ease with taking our economy hostage in exchange for gutting vital programs. That was uh, Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer earlier today attacking Republicans for not just automatically raising the nation's debt ceiling. Now, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy was on CBS Face the Nation yesterday saying Republicans and Democrats can come to an agreement, but but it will require a conversation about wasteful spending. I don't think there's anyone in America who doesn't agree that there's some wasteful Washington spending that we can eliminate. Mm -hmm. So I want to sit down together, work out an agreement that we can move forward to put us on a path to balance at the same time, not put any any of our debt in jeopardy at the same time. Wow. What an amazing concept. Wasteful spending, eliminating it. We're going to talk about it with the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Jason Smith, in just a moment. And speaking of the Biden administration, over two dozen states filed suit against the Department of Labor last week to stop a new rule that goes into effect today, a rule that could jeopardize retirement plans. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson is one of the attorneys general, and he joins us to explain. We all want the same thing. We want justice for Tyree Nichols. It's my hope that if there is any silver lining to be drawn from this very dark cloud, it's that perhaps this incident can open a broader conversation about the need for police reform. That was Shelby County District Attorney Steve Mulroy last week announcing charges against the five former Memphis, Memphis uh, Tennessee police officers for the death of Tyree Nichols. Now, are we ready for that broader conversation. But we'll find out when I talk about it a little later here on Washington Watch. The agenda of Western leftist is being carried throughout the world by George Soros-funded entities. But while it is getting scant attention from the media here in the United States, many of these formerly communist countries have seen this oppression before, and they refuse to go back. Albanian pastor Akil Pano is refusing to surrender biblical teaching. And he joins me later in studio to explain. Tomorrow is the International Religious Freedom Summit. It kicks off here in Washington, D.C. I'll be there along with members of the FRC team. And we're going to talk about it a little bit later with Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Resources are available for you there. Be sure and uh, check out the website. Also, direct your friends. If they do not have Washington Watch in their area, they can watch it right there at TonyPerkins.com. Our word for today comes from Jeremiah 8, verses 9 and 10. How can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us, but behold, the lying pen of the scribes has made it into a lie. The wise men shall be put to shame and they shall be dismayed and taken. 
Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom is in them? Jeremiah points to the cause of the nation's spiritual apostasy, a rejection and a twisting of the word of God. In their wisdom, they replaced the truth of God with the lies of man. Now, God's people were special. They were exceptional because they had his word, the secret to successful living that other nations didn't have. Today, the church has the word of God. The broader culture may be indifferent and even hostile to it, but we as followers of Christ must return to, embrace, and live by the Word of God. For more on our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. Let me remind you very quickly, this Wednesday is a national gathering for prayer and repentance at the Museum of the Bible. Tickets are still available if you would like to come to Washington, and you can also join us online. To find out more, go to PrayDC.org. That's PrayDC.org. In an effort to make progress in the ongoing standoff over the debt ceiling, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy will head to the White House on Wednesday for a face-to-face meeting with President Biden. The Biden administration is seeking to raise the country's borrowing limit and has said it will not negotiate with Republicans seeking spending cuts. But... But with our nation now more than $31 trillion in debt, if we don't have the conversation now, when, if ever, will we have it? Joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Jason Smith. He's the newly appointed chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee. He also serves on the House Budget Committee. He represents the 8th Congressional District of Missouri. Congressman Smith, welcome to Washington Watch. It's great to be with you, Tony. Thanks for having me. Before we get into uh, discussing the debt ceiling, let me uh, congratulate you on your new position as chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee. And let me just ask you, what do you hope to accomplish as the chairman of this important committee? You know, our priority is to make sure that we are delivering for working class families, farmers, small businesses, the American worker. And we need to do that to make sure that the tax code trade policies are there to help them. It's all about delivering for the working class families. That's that's who's a lot of times overlooked in Washington. That needs to be the first priority. In fact, the very first committee hearing that I'm doing is a filled hearing a week from today in West Virginia, because I want to hear from real Americans about the issues that they're facing with the current economy and how members of Congress and the Ways and Means Committee can help adjust the tax code to make their lives better. Aren't they the ones that generally carry the weight of uh, the the tax system in our country? That they're working, they're the ones paying the the, the taxes. Those small businesses, those working families, the, the American worker, they're the ones that keep this economy running. We need to make sure that Washington policies are the policies that help them, not not the policies that's being pushed by a lot of those politically connected individuals that are walking the halls in Washington, D.C. That's why we need to go outside of Washington, D.C. and talk to real Americans so we can hear firsthand of the problems. I like that. Uh, I think we need to get out there more often. That's why I go like like m- many members of Congress. I'm home back in Louisiana every week uh, to hear from folks uh, real in the real world. So let me switch gears, uh, Mr. Chairman. I want to move to this issue of the debt ceiling. The Biden administration, you know, from day one said, we're not negotiating. You're either going to raise it. That's what you got to do. But now we see that uh, Speaker McCarthy is going to be meeting on Wednesday with the president. Does that indicate 
uh, that they may be changing their tune a bit? I would hope to think so. We are in divided government. The Republicans control the House of Representatives. Democrats control the Senate. And of course, Joe Biden's in the White House. So that means that you have to work together. For President Biden and Chuck Schumer to say that they will not negotiate and not work, that's that's craziness. Look at this, Tony. The eight most substantial fiscal reforms ever in the history of the United States were all tied to the debt limit. That is typically what happens. If we do not address this fiscal insanity now, we're just postponing another debt crisis, and we cannot do that. $31 trillion, we need to get serious about what is causing this spending, and let's try to do something about it. That's what I said. If, if you don't have the conversation now, when would you have it? They won't. They won't. Put it this way. Uh, just over a year ago, we had the largest increase of the debt limit ever. And what did one-party Democrat rule did? They, they increased spending by $10 trillion. $10 trillion. It was a record ever. And what did every American get for it? They got the highest inflation in 40 years. They got, um, they got checks to federal prisoners. They, they got um, ski resorts in Iowa. They got parking lots in, at beaches in South Carolina. Such wasteful spending. Those are the things that need to be cut. And that's what we need to be looking into, not this, not cutting programs that are important to working class families like Social Security and Medicaid. Let, let me we ask you about that. that. Let, let me ask you about that, because that's what the administration has said, that the Republicans want to cut Social Security, Medicare. I, I want to ask you, is that on the table? That is absolutely not on the table, Tony. They are just trying fear mongering, scare tactics. Um, Social Security and Medicare is within the Ways and Means Committee, which I'm chairman of. I can tell you right now, it is not on the table. We will not be cutting Social Security. We will not be cutting Medicare. It is not part of any of the conversations. It's just a bunch of fear-mongering going by Joe Biden. Now, you have also some of the administration that, well, I played a clip at the top of the program from the Democratic leader in the Senate saying the MAGA, MAGA Republicans have, uh, you know, the, the, they're holding the economy hostage and they're willing to, I'm putting words in his mouth, but essentially willing to kill the hostage, uh, that you're not willing to sit down and be reasonable about this. But I've not heard anybody in the leadership of the Republican Party say we're going to shut down government. No Republican wants a default. No Republican is is saying that they're not going to negotiate. The only people that says that they're not willing to negotiate is Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer. We're asking them to come to the table, let's figure it out, and let's accomplish something. We have to address this fiscal insanity. That's all we're asking. Republicans and Democrats have to come together. They have to work together in order to get anything accomplished in divided government. We can't just say, no, no, we're not going to do it. That's not how it works, and that's not how our founding fathers set up the system. So, so Chairman Smith, what are some specifics? What are the Republicans putting on the table as ways to rein in this uh, wild spending spree that the government has been on? There's numerous examples of where you can look at it. If you look back in 2011, they had budget caps, capping how much discretionary spending. That could be a possibility. They look at... Um, we could we could cut hundreds of billions of dollars. We could pull back hundreds of billions of dollars of 
prior COVID money that's still out there. There's so much waste in our government, Tony. I can go line by line, but let's do something. That's what we're asking. We have to do something. If it's baby steps, Tony, let's just do something. Because the reason why we have record inflation is because of reckless government spending. Mm -hmm. Let's stop it. And I, I think that that should be a bipartisan approach. I would I would think it's about time with $31 trillion in debt. Final question for you, uh, Chairman Smith. Are the Republicans unified uh, going forward saying we're, we're going to have to have some fiscal responsibility? You know, I think so. You know, we started out a little bit uh, interesting and rocky for the first week, but I think our party is now stronger than ever before. We had some growing pains getting to the majority, but I think that that has made us where we can push and be much stronger. And we all know that reckless spending has led to record cost of goods being increased, and it has led to the Fed Reserve continuing to raise interest rates that's now causing home mortgages to go up. So it's hurting working class Americans, small businesses and families. We need to get reckless spending under control. I would definitely agree with you on both points that we need to get it under control. But I also think that what I see in my conversations that Republicans are now more unified, having gone through that exercise at the beginning of the 118th Congress. Uh, Chairman Smith, thank you so much for taking time to join us today. Look forward to talking to you in the future as you get our spending, our help get our spending under control. Take care, Tony. Thank you for having me, sir. Absolutely. All right, coming up, we're going to be joined by the Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton. Stick around. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back. This is Washington Watch, and I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this uh, Monday. Let me remind you, once again, this Wednesday is the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance at the Museum of the Bible here in Washington, D.C. Tickets are still available, but you can also join us online. Uh, It begins at 6.30 in the morning, but it will be online 8.30 Eastern time. To find out more, go to PrayDC.org. That's PrayDC.org. Now is the time. As Christians in this country, we need to come together and we need to pray. A new rule from the Biden administration goes into effect today that will allow retirement plan managers to consider a company's environmental, social, and governing positions, that's the ESG, when making investment decisions. Now, here's the problem, all right? Here's the problem. It violates federal law. Uh, the, the law states that retirement plan assets should be used to bring a return to the individual, the one who wants to retire, not someone else's political agenda. Well, over two dozen Republican state attorneys general have sued to stop this rule change, this unilateral rule change by the Biden administration, stating that a focus on ESG compromises the growth potential of investors' accounts. Joining me now to discuss this is Texas State Attorney General Ken Paxton. Ken, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, good to be back, Tony. All right. So uh, if I missed it here, explain to our viewers and listeners what the law does at the Department of Labor, this rule, uh, the, the, this rule, what it violates as it, in terms of federal law. So in 1974, Congress passed the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, ERISA, and it was designed to protect people who are investing their, their hard-earned money in these retirement funds. And these managers are required under that law to basically look at financial interest only and to make sure that they're maximizing their investors' value. And instead, you've got the Biden administration telling these fund managers, outside of any law that Congress passed, just making it up just the opposite of what the law says. I think you stated stated that in your opening. Outside of what the law requires, they are saying, no, don't follow the law. Let's go ahead and just open this up. You can invest based on non-financial factors this, to me, will make Americans poorer. And so instead of, instead of uh, being called ESG, it should be called Make America Poor Act. So this is, let's just take Texas. You're the attorney general of Texas. This is telling uh, reti- those who have money in retirement accounts, you're saying, hey, to those who are watching the funds, put this guy's interest in the back seat, in the front seat. What I want driving this is the woke agenda of corporate America. I mean, isn't that what this is? Yeah, this is to look at other factors that the Biden administration or some fund manager considers important. 
that are not related to you retiring. And so this will make it so that some Americans cannot retire, and it'll also affect other Americans who might have retired in a much better position to retire in a position that they're not exactly satisfied with because their returns are very likely going to be lower if they're not considering, if these fund managers are considering other factors, climate change, whatever the, whatever the, the current woke well, idea is. It, it, climate change is, is top of their list in many ways. I mean, when you look at, uh, at BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, some of the, I mean, they hold trillions in investments. But this also affects, you know, the economies of uh, states like Texas that are very much into uh, providing energy for the country, is it not? Oh, absolutely, because it's taking away investment from energy production and energy distribution, which means that consumers end up paying higher prices and that we become reliant on countries that may or may not be our friends, many of them not. And so it puts us in a very precarious position going forward, and it definitely puts our economic well-being at risk. All right, so two questions for you. One, the suit was filed last week. The court, as of uh, earlier this afternoon, had not made a decision on this. Are you hoping that uh, you'll get a stay from the court where this rule will be pulled back? Uh, that's certainly our hope. Uh, we think it has uh, devastating consequences. Once you start down this path, it's hard to undo some of the damage that's going to occur to literally hundred million people or more are going to be negatively impacted. And those, it's starting today. So we would love to get a stay and then ultimately some type of injunction until we have a chance to argue the merits of the case, which are pretty simple. There's nothing in federal law that authorizes this. exactly the opposite. Federal laws says you can't do this. Now, states are becoming more proactive in this. I mean, we've seen a number of state uh, financial officers pulling money out of some of these entities like uh, BlackRock and others. Can state law protect the investments of the retirees of your state or those that are seeking to use these funds for retirement? You know, it's it's a balance. ERISA preempts a lot of state law, but states are certainly trying to do what they can. I know that, for instance, we just uh, stopped Citibank from issuing any type of public debt in the state of Texas because of their climate change, woke ESG policies. They We just stopped them from issuing debt. So we can start impacting their pocketbook as well if they're going to if they're going to do things that harm our economy and that harm investors. Well, I love that. Uh, it's it's about time and we're seeing this more and more that Republicans, conservatives are taking on big business. You know, for years, you know, we were walking the same path. You know, smaller government, less regulation, it's good for all of us. But now that they've bought into the left social agenda, their environmental agenda, they're hurting the economy. They are hurting just average Americans. And so I think it's time for the Republicans to roll up their sleeves and say, you know what? Not anymore. You want to fight over yeah. this? We're going to fight you. I think that's why you have 25 attorney generals on this case. It's half the country that's willing to stand up and, and protect Americans. I wish it was all of us. I wish it was all 50 states. The reality is that's just not the, the, the leaning of the Democratic Party. But it is apparently the leaning of the Republican Party, and that's why I think every Republican AG just about is involved in this case. All right. We're going to be watching this closely as soon as we get something from that court. We'll uh, get back to you. Attorney General Ken Paxton, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. And thanks for fighting. Well, speaking of fighting, the Republicans here in our nation's capital have put together a, a committee to look at how the federal government has been weaponized against Americans. It's a new subcommittee that will provide some 
accountability to the federal government that's overstepped its authority and it's literally gone off the rails. This is a good development. I mean, they're going to go after. This is uh, um, we're going to see Jim Jordan heading this up. A lot of our friends are going to be on this committee. And so I want to encourage you to, to give them a word of encouragement to go get them. And we've got a petition of encouragement going around, and you can sign it by texting the word committee, committee to 67742. That's 67742, the word committee. We want to encourage them to go after this bad government created by the Biden administration. All right, when we come back, disturbing video that was released Friday from Memphis. Police officers beating Tyree Nichols, who later died. This is called calling for reform. Well, let's talk about reform next here on Washington Watch. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. We all want the same thing. We want justice for Tyree Nichols. It's my hope that if there is any silver lining to be drawn from this very dark cloud, it's that perhaps this incident can open a broader conversation about the need for police reform. That was Shelby County District Attorney Steve Mulroy last Thursday announcing the charges against five former police officers for the beating death of Tyree Nichols in Memphis. Now, full disclosure for anyone watching or listening that is new to Washington Watch, I was a police officer on the streets for about 10 years. I am pro-law enforcement. But as I've also discussed before, my law enforcement career ended abruptly when I spoke out against my department's 
use of excessive force against peaceful pro-life protesters. Now, that said, I'm very cautious about jumping to conclusions based upon limited information. I've watched some of the video of the Nichols incident, and I can't find any justification for what I saw. I did not see any provocations that warranted the actions of these officers. It was beyond disturbing. Now, they will have their day in court and the evidence will be presented. But honestly, I am not sure how they can possibly counter the extensive video footage recording their actions. The release of the footage has again prompted what has become the standard reaction. Demonstrations, calling for justice, and those using the incident as justification for rioting and more lawlessness. It was not quite three years ago. Minneapolis erupted in looting and rioting, which spread across the country when George Floyd died in the custody of Officer Derek Chauvin, who was kneeling on Floyd's neck. Floyd was black and Chauvin was white. The death of Nichols was at the hands of five black officers. He was also black. Although some are trying to make it an issue of systemic racism, honestly, that's a bit of a stretch with the chief, the police chief in Memphis being a black female. Could it be that maybe, maybe race is not the primary factor? Many have tried to make it in these cases of police brutality. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's a factor, but is it the driving factor? Maybe it is something deeper and more fundamental. What about this? Maybe it is a loss of morality, of right and wrong. Now, as shocking as these images on the video were, what was just as disquieting to me is the fact that these officers engaged in this behavior did so knowing their own body cams were recording their very words and actions. Now, think about it. Did they consider what they were doing as acceptable behavior? Now, each new incident of police brutality brings calls for reform, and reforms are made. The shooting of Michael Brown by police in Ferguson, Missouri, back in 2014, led to the push for body cameras for police officers. Did that solve the problem? I don't think so. A report by the Washington Post on the use of body cams by the District of Columbia Police here in Washington did not show any reduction in the use of force by police. In fact, it showed a slight increase over those who didn't have body cameras. After George Floyd's death and the left's torching of cities across America, there was another wave of reforms, the banning of chokeholds and anti-bias training. Now, when the smoke clears from the demonstrations we're seeing now, what reform measures will be pushed next? All right, let me give a warning to the mockers out there. They need to listen closely because... Now that we can reasonably say that the feel-good reform efforts are not going to solve the problem, maybe we should look elsewhere. Maybe we should go back to some tried, proven ways. I'm going to quote from Scripture. In Isaiah 59, the prophet Isaiah says this, beginning in verse 10, he says, We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. We growl like bears and we moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. And he says, justice is turned back. 
and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and justice cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw that it had displeased him that there was no justice. Verse 14 again, justice is turned back, and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the streets. Is that not a picture of America? Truth has fallen in the street and justice is lost. As long as America forsakes God and his word, justice and truth will not be found in our government. It will not be found in our police departments. It will not be found on our streets. Until we turn back to God, embracing his truth, disregarding what the naysayers and the critics will say, as long as we do that, Lawlessness and injustice will only consume more in our nation. Maybe it's time America turned back to God. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742.
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Monday. Be sure to check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. On Washington Watch, I often highlight stories of men and women that are persecuted for their faith as our culture becomes increasingly hostile to those with the biblical worldview. We're going to see those stories more often. I mean, we last week covered the young man, 19-year-old police officer in Georgia, and I didn't even go into the fact that you know, we're, we have officers that are not qualified, have no moral foundation that we're putting on the force, and those who express an allegiance to the Word of God we're forcing out. Then we wonder why we have problems, you know, another story. But when you look at this increasing hostility toward the public display of our faith, how should Christians respond? I mean, what should we do? Should we avoid the conflict and be quiet? Should we stand boldly and courageously? What should we do? Well, joining me now in studio to discuss this is Pastor Akil Pano. He is an evangelical pastor and professor of philosophy at a state university in Albania. He had a long way to drive to get here. Well, he recently went to court to defend his right to speak his views against the Albanian Human Rights Commissioner, who opened a case against him for, uh, you guessed it, hate speech for discussing the Bible. The Bible on Albanian television. Pastor Akio, welcome to Thank Washington Watch. Thank you so much. Watch. I'm honored, honored to be with you tonight. So uh, give us the events leading up to your case with the Albanian Human Rights Commission. I mean, I, I, you've got a pretty conservative country. I mean, coming under from out from underneath the heel of communism, I think you have a, a, a real appreciation for freedom. Absolutely. Well, in 1976... Albania became the only truly atheistic country in the entire world. By decree in our constitution, the people of Albania decided that God doesn't exist. So we didn't have churches nor underground churches. The Bible was declared an enemy, even in the artistic literature in our country. So only in 1991, after the communist regime uh, collapsed, people and missionaries from all over the world, from the United States and from the Western uh, world, came in Albania, and they share, shared the good news of, of Jesus Christ. When, when did you come to know the Lord? In 1991, in the very beginning of uh, the freedom. So it how, has been, how old were you then? It has been amazing. I have been uh, 18 years of age okay. at the time. Now I'm 49. And, and, and how did that impact you? Well, you know, we all are born with the existential questions. Right. 
And uh, all my questions, they got answered when I opened up the Gospel of Matthew. And I had an encounter with, with Jesus Christ as a person. So my entire, entire life changed. I was uh, filled with the love of Christ. And uh, I had only one desire, to preach the word of the Lord to every human soul that was searching for meaning. So it starts right there in 1991. And uh, I mean, of course, Albania has gone through a lot of uh, processes in the, when, it, when it comes for the uh, democracy in our, in our land. Uh, we have gone through almost a civil war in 1997 due to uh, financial schemes that collapsed. And then in 1999, uh, the Kosovo crisis, we right. had to receive uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, Kosovo immigrants that came to seek refuge. And you're not in a big country, about what, 2 million? Uh, in, I mean, Albanians in the, in the world, they'll be around 10 million. But now okay. in uh, Albania, they live around 3 million. Okay. But Albania, you're right. Albania is very, very conservative uh, country. 72% of the population of Albania is Muslim today. And the rest, uh, we are talking about Christian Orthodox, Roman Catholics, and a very small percentage, it is the evangelical uh, uh, faith. So what brought about the Albanian Human Rights Commissioner coming after you and, and charging you with a crime? Well, we have always believed that we lived in a freedom and a democracy, and we believe that our rights are defended by our constitution. You know, the human uh, rights, I mean, the right of faith and the right of uh, speech, is, uh, they are the two uh, most uh, important uh, articles. Right, let, let, me, let me ask you about that for a minute. So, so do, the, do the Albanians truly appreciate that, given the fact they did not have that under communist rule? Absolutely. I mean, we all uh, are celebrating, uh, of, at, at least before this case started, we all, we all in Albania, we were celebrating uh, freedom. So freedom almost became a god in the way how we uh, prospected life, in the uh, way how we viewed, right, you know, right. human relationships. But, uh, well, it started in this way. I've always been uh, invited by different talk show uh, television programs. I'm invited in the national television channels. You're also to a, talk a about, professor of philosophy. Yes. Well, so. To talk about moral values, family, uh, society, sometimes economy. I've had the privilege to enter in a debate with the prime minister of Albania, with parliament members, with people from uh, the media. Uh, and, you know, we, we built our debates on uh, good ethical grounds. Right. You know, the, the, the instrument that we have in our work are words. So we carefully select each word that we are using as we are talking with the, with the, with the people. But, uh, you know, in the last years, we have uh, seen uh, that uh, we are experiencing a very well-organized leftist agenda that is trying to modify our moral values. And a lot of, of this revolves around human sexuality, does Absolutely. it not? Absolutely. Everything, it looks like everything, it's uh, that, I mean, everything is uh, against men right. as a figure, demolishing men, uh, making men smaller and smaller and smaller. And uh, actually in 2021... You say man, you... Men as a... Masculinity? Masculinity, okay. men right. as a figure yeah. of the patriarchate, you know, right. men as a father. Right. And then uh, afterwards, of course... Uh, 
we were exposed with the idea that uh, actually started in England, Stonewall, it's an LGBT organization. Right, right, right. They were going to uh, propose, actually they proposed changing the notion of the father and a mother into numbers. Right, parent one, parent two. Parent one and parent two. Yeah, so we saw the same thing here, here. it started the whole thing. I was invited and I was debating a couple of uh, gay activists and a couple of uh, people from the media in a particular talk show. And then I used the word uh, dehumanization. I said replacing the notion of the father and the mother in numbers, with numbers, we are dealing with uh, dehumanizing uh, the human beings because we are wiping the humans from their very yeah, essence, which is the soul. Right. So they become numbers. Because I use the word dehumanization, the commissioner uh, decided that uh, this was a very uh, discriminatory uh, notion that I used. And then uh, he thought that uh, he would start a case against me. But you know what? Uh, in the beginning, it brought a lot of pressure and tension upon myself and our family. You know, we had never uh, thought that in Albania, in the year 2021, we would face such a trial. Mm -hmm. But uh, then after we saw that we are not facing a local agenda. Of course, Albania is trying to do all the efforts needed to become an EU country. And together with the EU package, all the rest, when it comes for sexualization of the children, Mm -hmm. Genderization of the children in the schools, changing the notions of the father and the mother in numbers, uh, recomposing the uh, what marriage is right. supposed to be. Now, is this coming from some of the well-funded groups on the left that are trying to change these countries? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we are. I mean, in the many years ago, I thought that all these are uh, conspiracy theories. Right. But I'm I'm a living testimony. So you see it. We see it. The guys like George Soros. <laughs> the foundation, uh, Open Society Foundation. Yeah, this George is how Soros. they they yeah. work uh, through. And then actually, it's not just this foundation, but there are even a couple of um, international embassies that are working in yeah. Albania. And they have so much at right. heart, you know, this particular cause. What's the status of your case? Actually, there were two cases against me. One case was uh, raised uh, from the LGBT group, and the commissioner the, decided that I didn't uh, use the hate speech in the first case, so the first case was stopped. On the second case that was initiated itself by the commissioner, uh, he decided that I used the discriminatory language and the hate speech because I used the word dehumanization right. in relation to parent one and parent two. And then... Uh, and then, in his decision, he is talking that uh, I have uh, misinterpreted the Bible. So the precedent that is being created is very peculiar. In, after 30 years, post-communism in Albania, a secular governmental institution... Going to interpret scripture? Is in, I mean, they, it looks like they, <laughs> they are interpreting the scriptures better than a theologian or, you know, a, a pastor. So this is uh, bringing us at the stake of uh, losing our freedom. So it's not, it's not my fight. 
Right. But is the fight so for is the church is the church rallying to you to, to this cause? I I wish that all evangelical churches, but they are few evangelical yeah. churches. I have I mean t- to be honest with you uh, tonight, I have found uh, much support within this Islam uh, Muslim community. That they, they believe in the I mean in the Abrahamic. Uh, right. 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 Uh, uh, so how can how can folks find out more about your case and track it as it moves along and be supportive of you? Well, it's the website of the Pro Family and Pro Life Coalition in Albania, Pro Fam uh, Coalition Albania, in my on my uh, Facebook page, Pastor Akilpano. Uh, I mean, we are not doing a lot of publicity and we are not uh, uh, trying to uh, raise. Uh, a cause that is be beyond what we are facing. But I believe that uh, there is no, not such a uh, greater cause than this. Yeah. is the cause of the family and the well, cause of the freedom. Well, and of the Bible. Of and the of the Bible, absolutely. We, we absolutely. have to have the Word of God. Absolutely. Pastor Akiopano, I want to thank you for uh, for being here today on Washington Watch, for being here in the States, and, and being willing to take a stand. Uh, we're seeing this as a, um, I, I think, a, a, a harbinger of, of things to come even here in the uh, the West. In many ways, we're pumping this out through some of those who have made their money here in this country to turn the values of others. Tony, it's not a fairy tale. I mean, we are experiencing in the uh, uh, southeast part of Europe this in a very, very, you know, high intense uh, waves. And uh, But we are not too willing to take, uh, to, I mean, to go backwards, we yeah. still believe that Bible is the truth. We still believe that uh, father is a man and yeah. uh, the mother is a woman. Well, Pastor Gear, we'll be praying for you. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with us. Well, folks, uh, this week, actually, as I mentioned, starting tomorrow morning, there'll be the International Religious Freedom Summit here in Washington, D.C., and uh, many other uh, individuals, men and women of faith, uh, some Christians, some not, that will be here to tell their stories of uh, what is happening on the international front as we see an administration that's not as friendly toward religious freedom. But, you know, I want to continue to highlight these stories. It's one of the reasons I served on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom is because we have to speak out for religious freedom, especially, especially for our brothers and sisters in Christ in foreign places that are being persecuted and prosecuted. And in this case, this is from those that are here in the United States making their money here, like George Soros, and pushing their leftist agenda. Well, join me now to uh, very quickly give us an update on uh, the summit is Travis Weber. He's vice president of policy and government affairs here. Travis, thanks for stepping in real quick. Thank you, Tony. So uh, tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about the summit that kicks off in the morning. That We'll, we'll be there. I'll be having a conversation at the beginning of the summit. What can we expect? Yeah, so a variety of, of activists and victims of persecution overseas will be in town here for the summit. As you mentioned, we're going to be participating. Tony, you're going to be helping bring light to the, the need for uh, religious freedom as a foreign policy priority. We've helped bring in um, an individual, fascinating individual from Cuba who's helped shed light on what's going on there with suppression of, of the um, protests that Christians have played a part in. So it'll be fascinating. FRC senior uh, fellow Bob Fu is also going to be helping highlight uh, the situation in China with the Uyghurs and corporate complicity there. Over the next couple of days, this is playing out in town here as 
Ambassador Sam Brownback continues the effort that started under Secretary Pompeo under the Trump administration, where we're trying to bring focus and attention on religious freedom. Okay, let me just ask you this last question here as we're up against the uh, the end of the program. Why should Christians care about like Pastor Pano and what's happening with him and others? Yeah, because Tony, we're defending the same principle at home and abroad. The principle to choose to follow the faith according to your conscience, one's faith, live it out wherever you are in society, in the public square. This is a principle that we should be defending for those uh, around the world as well as folks here at home. So that's why we're concerned about those whose stories will be on display over the next few days here. All right. Uh, Travis Weber, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. All right. We'll see you tomorrow at the, uh, the summit. Folks, I want to thank you for joining us, but I also want to encourage you to go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. There are links there for information with uh, Pastor Pano and and others so that you can stand with them. I I think it's extremely important that we are, A, we're praying for them. And as we have the opportunity to stand with them financially, uh, this is a very costly legal battle that he's in. But as we saw with uh, Pave. Uh, when we looked at her, at her case, where she's fighting a very similar, uh, a very similar battle, battling for the Word of God, we need to stand with them. All right, out of time for today. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians six, where he says, "When you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing." Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.